Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. In the week that saw a new set of singletons enter the Love Island Villa, a new Gavin and Stacey Christmas special announced, yay, and Hollyoaks named this year's best soap, this is Series Link. I'm Emma Bullymore from the TV Times and standing in for Jeffers this week, this is Sarah Wallace from The Mirror. Hiya, Sarah. Hi, how's it going? Good, thank you. Right, let's get on with it. On this week's episode of the podcast dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand, Countryfile host Anita Rani joins us in the studio to discuss her new war on plastics. We talk about the second series of Killing Eve, plus love him or loathe him, Piers Morgan is here to share his box set to watch before you die. You're listening to Series Linked, the podcast for TV fans by TV fans. So we're missing a bit of West Country charm this week, but we have Sarah here instead. Thank you so much for coming in, Sarah. That's okay. Essex charm we'll have to do. Yes, come on. Come on, the Essex girls. Um, Let's quickly start on Love Island. This seems appropriate after that. Are you excited about this year's series? Am I excited? It's a tricky question to answer. I'd never watched it before last year. I just didn't want to. I was very sniffy about it. And then I was hooked, absolutely hooked. And I loved it. And now, obviously, I'm keen to see what's going to happen, but there's been a lot of debate about whether it should go on air or not. So I'm filling in two minds. Well, they haven't really changed up the casting, have they? There was a lot of talk about there should be more diversity, both in terms of having some LGBT contestants, but also different body shapes. Then they they announce them all. They look exactly what you expect a bunch of Love Island contestants to look like. So I think despite all this kind of lip service to aftercare, it's going to be business as usual, isn't it? Well, they've got one girl, an Iranian Instagram star, Anna, and she's supposed to be their nod to a plus size contestant what is she a size 10 instead of a size 4 <laughs> no it's not it's not very convincing is not it really? really and she's an Instagram star so yeah she ticks all those boxes and she looks fabulous yeah of course she does but I think you know I'm personally not into Love Island but I'm, I'm not snobby about it if that's your thing watch it enjoy it but let's try not to make it any sort of... It's funny that Radio Fording features about Love Island you think no it just it doesn't work it's a bit of Frost Fry TV too if you love it then good luck to you. Caroline Flack says it's escapism, it's guilt-free fun and I'm inclined to agree and I know there have been lots of issues about they're improving their aftercare and we'll just have to see. I'm keen to see. Talking about frothy fun programmes, Hollyoaks, which used to be just the place for attractive people who wanted to pretend to be <laughs> actors, is now the best soap according to British Soap Awards. What did you make of that? I was shocked. Um, you know, at the Soap Awards, Corrie got five awards which, you know, everyone expects. Hollyoaks was the next best up there with four gongs and Emmerdale only got two, which was a big shock. And I think lots of viewers feel that they um, had a bit of a bad deal that night. Yeah. My favourite bit of the evening was when Sue Nichols won uh, sort of the outstanding achievement, lifetime achievement type of thing. Um, <laughs> she, she did the whole kind of like looking shocked thing. 
And then she went to the stage and she started her speech by basically saying, oh, so when I knew I was coming to this and I had to write a speech, you're like, no, (laughs) No, Sue, what are you doing? You can see them in the audience going, shaking their heads, going, no. But I was really pleased to see her win. But the audience there always absolutely loves the Soap Awards. I think it just reminds you that, you know, people were talking about they're on the decline and EastEnders isn't very good at the moment, whatever. But people just love soaps and that's not going to change. No, millions watching it. Seven and eight million every night. It's unbelievable. And they churn out these episodes every day of the week. And it's brilliant drama. Wow. Let's talk about what really, really is brilliant drama. Killing Eve, series two. It's been such a long wait. Before we get into it, what do you make of this whole, you know, the fact that they've had it all in America before we've even had a sniff of series two? Well, I'm outraged. (laughs) So you should be. Yeah. I mean, we were were huge fans here in the UK. We absolutely love it. We've got British cast in there, um, you know, made for BBC. Uh, written, of course, by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, British, and why are they keeping us out of it? I feel very offended and insulted. So hopefully that'll change for Series 3. I think there are all sorts of online petitions, but now we finally do have it, and it's not written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. The second series is written by Emerald Fennell. What did you... You've seen the first two episodes, right? We both watched the first yep. two. What did you make of it? And were you nervous, hoping that it was going to be as good as Series 1? So I know you were, because I remember you were saying you were worried that they might string it out too much or it wouldn't be as good. And of course I felt like that. And it's one of my favourite dramas of the last couple of years. So I was quite nervous, but it's brilliant. It's just as funny, just as surprising. The acting we know is brilliant. It's got a great soundtrack. The fashion is great. I don't have any bone to pick with it. I think there's a, quite a bit of setup in the first episode of series two. I think the, the difficult thing is that series one, you kind of thought it was going to be great, but it was so surprising. It was a real kind of assault on the senses. Oh my goodness, I've never seen anything like this before. So when you get series two, obviously you're losing that slight element of surprise. So it's never going to quite capture that feeling. But I agree with you that it is brilliant. The first, I'd say the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the first episode of series two, I was thinking oh, please be as brilliant and you're setting things up and obviously they have to deal with how series one ended, which was very dramatic. But then by the end of it, I was in and certainly episode two, I was really in again. And it's just those characters, isn't it? They're so rich. Well, that's what we gain. So where you lose perhaps some of the surprise from the first series, this time we know more about the characters. We know about Villanelle. We know about Eve. We're desperate to know more. They're both mysterious people. Um, This first episode picks up 30 seconds after we last saw them and I was actually hooked right from the off. And I think there are lots of surprising twists. I can't give any spoilers, but there are a couple of gasp moments for sure which is always what you want and Fiona Shaw is so brilliant you know often people are always talking about Sandra Bafta winning the exactly. Bafta winning yes we were always talking about Sandra O and Jodie Comer who are of course brilliant but Fiona Shaw as soon as she's on screen she steals every scene for me absolutely the other issue of course is where where are they going to go with this because you know this cat and mouse game if we it sort of felt like that you know it was going to get caught at the end of series one and then they've they've divided again and obviously it feels like there's going to be some momentum towards them meeting again. But they've already announced Series 3. How long can this continue? Yeah, you're right. And I do wonder, you don't want every series to end with, oh, they've not quite managed to catch each other. But who knows, Series 7 might be them shacked up in a nice house in the suburbs with a couple of kids. <laughs> so, you know, I'm happy to see where it takes us. I would love to see that. Let's talk about something else that I know. I mean, it's we're very sort of happy today because we've got so much great tell to talk about. Often there's debates, but I don't think there's going to be that much debate about this one either because Handmaid's Tale is also back at the weekend what, what do you think of this? Because series one was met with amazing critical acclaim. Everyone thought it was brilliant. Elizabeth Moss is amazing. Series two, I also absolutely loved. But people were saying it's turning into torture porn and, you know, oh, not very comfortable with it. 
How do you feel about it? Well, I, like you, I mean, I'm exhausted from all this great drama at the moment, <laughs> but I find it extremely uh, gripping and and harrowing. And it is torture TV, I understand that. But I, th- I think it's brilliant and fresh and genre-busting. I was worried that once it went beyond Margaret Atwood's novel, it would lose its way, but it didn't for me. And I've seen the first episode of series three and it's just as good as it always has been. Yeah, I was absolutely hooked and desperate for more episodes. Did you cry? I cried all the way through. I'm always crying, but also the soundtrack, the modern soundtrack is so brilliant. So I'm always feeling fired up by the end of it. And I think the key to it is Elizabeth Moss' character feeling resilient. And I think there was one episode in series two where the character, she just sort of gave up. She's like, I just can't, I can't fight anymore. And that episode I did find depressing and that I found really difficult to watch. You needed it for the context, but all the time she's pushing forward and she's all sort of revved up and wants to, wants to get out of there or at least make a difference. That, you know, that's what keeps me hooked and that's what I love about it. Yeah, so for me, hood up, steely gaze. Exactly. Yeah. And I love the romance she has. And I always think... If they if they took it outside, if she did manage to get out to Canada, there's so much more they could do with it because would she go back to her husband or would she stay with the, the guy she's fallen in love with in this awful, horrendous society? There's so much more that could happen. So I'm really intrigued. But the problem is you kind of know episode one, she's not going to get out probably. No. So you're like, well, where are they going to go with it? But I just, I love her. If, if, if she ever gets killed off for some reason... I think I wouldn't be so interested. But that central performance I just find so captivating and inspiring. And that, to me, is is the kind of hub of it all. Yeah, and it's just 13 episodes, but every single episode for me is pacey and it keeps the action coming and we're surprised and exhausted by the end of it. It's a brilliant watch. And who would have thought a sort of a, a kind of feminist novel that's often on syllabuses at school could become such a cool cult hit? They've really sort of worked on the style of it to make it bit more modern and exciting which I think is really kind of makes it stand out so exciting times you have another guest in the series link studio right now you'll know her from country files strictly all sorts of things but now she's waging war on plastics it's Anita Ronnie hey nice to be here thanks for coming my pleasure so is this a, a bit of a mission for you? Yes, yes. At me and Hugh, Hugh Fernley Whittinsall, BBC One brand new program where we're tackling plastic, and uh, specifically single-use plastic because there's just so much of it in our lives. So Hugh is going taking it to big business and uh, government level and going, you know, come on, things need to change. What can you do? And kind of shaking them as much as he can. And I am working with a street in Bristol who represent an ordinary street in Britain to see what we, the ordinary members of the public, can do. How can we possibly try and get rid of single-use plastic from our lives? Is it possible? And it's just been a brilliant experiment that's taken me to Bristol every weekend for the last sort of five months, really, with these awesome people who've just put themselves out there. And we've had a range of um, feedback from how people want to respond to it. Because it's flipping hard, isn't it? Everything's got plastic on it. It's Once you start seeing it, you can't unsee it, and it is absolutely everywhere. And I did the foolish thing of allowing the camera crews into my own home for the very beginning and thinking, yeah, I'll put myself out there. And it turns out I've not only got a lot of plastic, I've probably got more plastic than most people in Britain. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, there's so much of it. So what, what, what do you do? And I think you know we are specifically looking at the single-use stuff, the stuff that you just use once chuck it in the bin it's gone or stuff that comes wrapped in other things um and how can we reduce that but yeah we we found it really tough but there are things that people can do like a third of all our single-use plastic packaging comes from supermarkets 
just leave that hanging there. Yeah. Yeah. It's we all know it. Like you go to a supermarket and even if you don't want the plastic, it's just there. So we've looked at how people can kind of try and reduce that. We've like gone to the supermarket, said, Can you respond to us? and been banging on people's doors. Wet wipes, a big no no. About ninety percent. Oh, I'm guilty of that. I know, but you know, we most so many of us are. Yeah. What did we do before wet wipes, though? I don't know. They're so useful. But, you know, it needs to change our attitude, don't we? I think so. I've, I mean, I've not... I don't use them to take my makeup off. I know that parents have it really tough because you've, if you've got a baby, yeah. then, you know, you need a wipe to wipe it. Yeah. Um, but it... Yeah, we need to... And flushing them down the toilet is just the worst, oh, the worst, the worst thing we can be doing. I, I just think, we you know, we need to start finding alternatives. Companies need to start coming up with alternatives and also telling us that they've got plastic in. At the moment, we don't, you know, technically know because they haven't really said officially, yes, our wipes contain plastic. We just know because of tests that have been done. So I think there's so much we can all do. I've got lots of soap in my house now. What was the thing that shocked you most about yourself? Because we went into your house, didn't we, in your pulling it all out and you were quite shocked I think or surprised uh, yeah the worst thing for you oh I don't I mean I mean I love cosmetics yeah. yeah I love lotions and potions and all of that and it's it's not something we've gone into in the program but I have tried to find alternatives for all cosmetics it's just so expensive if you do want to start switching things up there are some lovely brands out there that do various things but it's just not feasible for everybody if you're yeah. on a budget if you're bringing up kids and all the rest of it um just the amount I've got, you know, I'm trying to kind trying of cut, to cut it down. Yeah, I, I find I don't. I think most of us have sorted ourselves out when it comes to um, supermarket carrier bags. We don't take carrier bags out of supermarkets anymore. We take them in with us. Um, I mean, I try and shop locally. I live in East London. Lots of green grocers. I've started doing things like that. That's quite enjoyable. You came in today with your water bottle, not your plastic bottle. I did, and yes. <laughs> I do that. I mean, uh, yeah. Country Follows a Programme has started doing that. We used to have bottles of um, water in the boot because you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't often have access to anything. I've gone for some, you know... Rural wheeze <laughs> on country file. It's just needs must. Don't know why I'm talking about weeing. Um, rain it back. Plastic. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Take take your own water bottles. Also, coffee. Coffee, if you love coffee, just buy a yeah. keepy cup. So, you've made lots of changes then? Trying to. This. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got to. I mean, it is tough. You know, we do like a, a takeaway in our house on a weekend. I mean, some of the people on that street in Bristol just weren't up for it. No, and, you know, and I think that's because they re- reflect what people in Britain think about it. There were some that didn't so weren't up for it, they just didn't even want to answer their door to us. And yeah. they, so, you know, we didn't get the whole street. Some people were saying, look, Anita, we'll give it a go, but I'm bringing up a family and I'm on a budget, so I'll do what I can do, but it's not my priority. Others just wanted to, you know beat someone up every time they saw plastic uh, you know they were that kind <laughs> yeah, of driven yeah. by it and they by the end of the program it was the street that were coming up with ideas for us so there's a brilliant girl on the street called Anna we took it right up through to Christmas um, she made all her own Christmas presents wow wow! which I was like oh my god I feel like a really shame. terrible person <laughs> yeah I mean shame um, but you know there's something in that take a day out of your lives would you do that I would love to do that I'm, you know, like most people, just insanely busy and have been bought into this idea that everything's convenience. But a day, a day to just be thoughtful and spend some time making flavoured yeah. vodka or, you know, jam or whatever There's it might idea. be. Exactly. <laughs> were you part of the audience that sat and watched Blue Planet and were shocked by, by the plastic situation? Yeah, I think there were, uh, you know... 
34 million people in the country that watched Blue mm. Planet 2. I mean, I, I, that was the tipping point, I think. That was the moment where everybody just switched on to plastic. Two young girls on the programme who were incredible, nine and seven-year-old sisters, they watched the programme and were so shocked. And it is young people, I think, that have been really moved by Blue Planet as much as everyone else. But they couldn't, they just couldn't bear what was happening to animals and, and particularly marine life, that they realised that their McDonald's toys, McDonald's, the largest producer of toys in the world, no way. their Happy Meal toys were just exactly that. And they realised that no one was playing with them, so they drew up a petition and put it online and got 160,000 people signing up to this wow. petition yeah so we so we follow them as well and them to kind of taking it to mcdonald's so there's a lot of people out there doing stuff and being active and trying to get rid of single-use plastic did it feel great when you went um to hound the people at tesco because you, had, you didn't get an answer for a while did you and then no you finally no, found no one wants to talk to me <laughs> apart from you yeah, so it's very we love nice. talking to you yeah we like i like talking um tesco you know, they, they said, credit where credit's due, they said, come and speak to us, we'll tell you what we're doing. And they're trialling a, a couple of, uh, some stuff in their couple of stores where they're selling some bits and pieces out of plastic. All they say is, we will respond to consumer demand. Yeah. So hopefully once this programme goes out, there will be consumer demand. I didn't realise it was cheaper to buy it in a packet. It's insane. It's insane, isn't it? It's totally insane. There is no incentive to buy anything loose because it, it works out more expensive yeah. so give people a real choice if you're not giving people a real choice and give them give us more produce let us buy the old-fashioned way and paper bags paper bags we used to have that bags. we used to have milk bottles and to go back to the old days and i do i do a milk rounds because people on the street have decided it's more expensive but you know people are kind of weighing up their costs and thinking maybe maybe we can afford to spend a bit extra on milk bottles to save on plastic. There's lots of things happening. It's about the choices that you want to make in your own life, I suppose. You said um, delivering milk was a secret fantasy of yours. I have a few. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to expand on that? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you were a kid and the milk bottle, yeah. the guy in the milk crate would kind of come past and rattle around it just and the, the lad on the back would jump off and put the milk in the milk crate. Yeah, I thought that's exciting. Yeah, it'd be cool to do. At twi I love twilight. That morning, like when the sun's just rising, like, it's a really mystical time of the morning. So yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Apart my dad's a milkman. He's never described it as mystical. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, I'm sure the sheen has worn off. <laughs> Slightly after how many decades. But <laughs> so I have to talk to you about Countryfile while you're here because it's one of the most watched programs in the country. I don't think it ever people talk about it in those terms, but it is. You know, people watch it like they watch soaps. They absolutely love it. Number one factual program on British telly. There you go. The New York Times called it rural porn. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> is it still really, really fun to present? It looks like a great gig. Yeah, it's an amazing gig. I last week um, went Thursday, Friday. I was in West Yorkshire. I was on an ice. Spent Friday on an ice cream farm. Oh, Thursday, I was on this fantastic farm that this woman. She was just rearing um, Hebridean sheep. She had a herd of eighty, and she got. She had a woman who'd come around and and shear them using the old-fashioned way, doing the old-fashioned way. And it was just lovely. And then I was making laundry balls out of the wool I mean it is it's fascinating it's brilliant I get to meet really incredible people I'm always somewhere beautiful winters can be trying obviously but there is joy to be had in that as well so yeah I kind of can't believe I'm doing it at the minute you know it's like people keep asking me actually somebody on the program this time one of the people I was being interviewed oh I was interviewing said so so what 
What makes you uh, qualified to present country file? Which I thought was a bold question. Wow. It's aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> slightly. It's all right. It's okay. I, um, I kind of used to it. And I went, believe it or not, Asian people did set foot in the countryside at some point in their lives. And it's all right. In the 80s, it happened. I was there. What um, was her response? <laughs> she was from Yorkshire. She could handle she it. She could handle it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, 50% of the people who watch the programme live in cities. I think it's important to have someone from a city go out into the countryside and be, you know, real about how you react to the countryside. Not everybody can just jump into a field and, you know, tackle a sheep or whatever it is you have to do. <laughs> it hasn't inspired you to set up a small holding with a, with a few lambs. I mean, there are, every time I'm out there, there are moments where I look at other people's lives and go, and they're beautiful houses or, you know, I'm in a lovely thatched cottage somewhere and I think... This is idyllic, but I love London. Do you have pets? I don't even, I've never had a pet. No. Don't I have the lifestyle for a pet? But I love London. I love cities. I love being in a cosmopolitan area. I like being able to nip out and go to my 24 hour shop any time of the day. And I use London, you know, I'm, yeah. kind of, you know, I go to the theatre and I go out and I, I like a overpriced cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it certainly was quite a while ago now, but you were the only person to ever dance with Gleb on the UK version. What are your memories of being on that show? <laughs> uh, I'm the only person who had the pleasure. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. That that programme kind of changed my life in many ways because it was... Uh, yeah, it's just massive, isn't it? And, and so many people got behind me. I think that is what happened, and that's what I remember mainly going... I remember the first week watching everybody and thinking, why have I? Why am I even here? Everybody is brilliant and everybody's obviously a dancer and I've just never done this before. And then realising that for whatever reason, people are still voting for me and that was good. That yeah. Paso, that yeah. was pretty yeah, no, damn good. Anita, quite a long way from Countryfile. A long way. <laughs> it all happened in the same year though. I got Countryfile and my, I call it the holy trinity of BBC programmes. <laughs> Countryfile, who do you think you are? And Strictly happened in the same year. And then you went and did some Bollywood dancing as well. Yeah. After Strictly, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. So I went to the Beeb and said, um, everyone else wants to be in the West End. I quite fancy going off to do a programme about Bollywood. And amazingly and fortuitously, no one had ever done a programme all about Bollywood before. So, yeah, I went and danced on a rooftop. So you want to keep dancing? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I wish I had more time. I was thinking this morning I want to find somebody who can just come and train me. Yeah. yeah, dancing is amazing. Who doesn't love dancing? Would your husband dance with you if you went off to a Yeah, he's class? he's got he's got some he's got some groovy hips. Has he? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Buffy. Um, yeah, he he loves it. But I think it's just really for me it's like an ama it's an amazing art form and just a beautiful way of people to be able to express themselves. And I'm on the board of the Northern Ballet now and yeah, I love watching dance. Love it. I remember saying to my husband before I went on Strictly, I just even if I'm not the best, which I won't be because I've never danced, I want to be able to dance with abandon and make people feel something. Because I think when you watch it, the best dancers are the ones that just make you feel something. They never, it doesn't have to be perfect. They're just in it. You know, people are just in the moment. And that's magic. And you said you pitched that Bollywood documentary. Is your head always spinning with ideas? Are you pitching ideas? And how, how does it work? Or do people come to you? Both. But I'm always thinking of ideas, mm. always. Have to. I don't know, maybe my brain's just like that. But I think in telly, you've got to. You've got to kind of always think, what is it that I want to do? And yeah, 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 you've got to be an ideas person. What kind of TV do you watch when you're, if you do have just a moment to chill out? Loads, loads, loads of drama. 
We started Good Omens last night. Oh, that's brilliant. So, so brilliant. So I'm so up my street. I love all that kind of Tim Burton slash um, Terry Gilliam-esque stuff, which is all a bit quirky and weird and fantasy and clever and sharp and witty. And that's great. What else do I loving? Oh, God, all the Phoebe Waller-Bridge stuff, you oh, yeah. know, Fleabag and Killing Eve. And um, what else? Well, there's just so many. Oh, Gentleman Jack. Yeah. Bloody yeah. love it. And it's set in yeah. Yorkshire as well. It's set in West Yorkshire. And, and that is blowing my mind. So loads of, loads of drama is what I kind of consume a lot of, like everybody else. Do you find that telly's getting better at being less London-centric? Because certainly in terms of the way places, are, you know, Channel 4's moving up to Leeds and everything seems to be spreading out a bit more now. Yeah, I mean, I find myself working with productions that aren't based in London, production companies, which is good. And... Um, I mean, Countryfile gets me all over. I mean, I don't. I tend not to film much stuff in London. Mm. Um, it needs to, doesn't it? We need to. I mean, I I moved to London to work because growing up in Bradford and wanting to work in telly, you know, I did a brief stint at Yorkshire TV and a brief stint with a an indie that doesn't exist anymore. But but you, you there was just no for me. It was just obvious I had to move to London. But yeah, it'd be nice to think that and things are Manchester's great. Like. Salford Keys is really vibrant and there seems to be a lot yeah. of stuff happening but it'd be nice for Yorkshire to get some bits and pieces as well Do you feel like things are changing? You know, you're you know, the British Asian woman you've said know, before Northern as Northern, well No, being Northern is yeah. like you know, a working class or whatever yeah. it is all the how many boxes do I tick? All of the above <laughs> um, it, Yes Is it changing? I I don't know well, you've worked answer. bloody hard to get I, where you are Yeah but. Yeah, I've had to. Do you feel like you've had to work harder than perhaps somebody that didn't tick all those boxes? Yes, Yeah. is the definitive answer to that. And in the past, I've never spoken about it, but I just think, what's the point? You know, um, yeah, I mean, just as women have to work harder, you know, and people say, oh, do you really, do you really think? I'm not saying I've got a big chip on my shoulder. I'm just, it's just a fact. How it is, yeah. It's just, it is a fact, you know, if you're, if you're not, um, if, you know, posh white men at the top of the tree and everyone else has to work a bit harder and that's just the fact yeah are you saying this is the first show that you've done that you've that your name's in the title yay <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> and you're taking this we were talking about the changes you're making in terms of plastic but also you're saying in terms of clothes as well you're going to try and i'm trying not to buy any new clothes yeah um so it's been two and a half nearly three months i've not bought anything new that mainly be, yeah to be more sustainable also for my own sanity mm. i just too much stuff just too many clothes and it's fine you know we can just keep wearing need it. yeah just buy like just that's not as much quality stuff and just be more creative so which you, is hard when you're on that, telly that must be so hard because like, I do the odd paper review on breakfast or whatever and I'm always stressed about what I'm going to wear and I have to buy something new every time and that's like very occasionally and you're on TV all the time it must be a nightmare yeah it is I mean it is it's a crazy thing to say because obviously I love clothes and I love style and fashion um and yeah i've got and it is a joy but when you have to do it for work it can be really stressful and i have got it wrong so many times <laughs> because i always just imagined that you would just have a rack of things to choose from and all, you know all presenters would just have everything shipped in not the case no i mean maybe some presenters do <laughs> i don't you know i'm sure lots of present depending on what programs you work on um for me, it's like depends on the program. There's so many different programs, and I've got so much stuff. I've got so many wellies now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so many out door clothes. I've always been a big coat and shoe person. Coats and shoes are my thing. So it, yeah, I just I've, I'm going to try. I'm saying this, you know, I love clothes. I will get more clothes. But also, you know, you as, when you work in TV, you can borrow things for you know big events and stuff, and then you don't have to accumulate. Are you talking to your husband and your friends and your family about their habits? Are you? I don't want to use the word preach, but are you? saying to them, you know, we shouldn't use so much plastic, throw that away, don't use that bottle. Are yeah. you that person now? <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying. I've mentioned it. Um, Indian families are an interesting thing. <laughs> They'll do what they want to do. I'm waiting for the programme to go out, for them to re- for the penny to really drop. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of gatherings and parties and stuff and a lot of plastic cups get used. And apparently I was reading that they were going to get rid of plastic well, straws are going, but hopefully plastic cups are going as well. But oh, that's the next one. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I tried to do it when I went up Kilimanjaro. <laughs> so I was, before I went to Kilimanjaro, um, I sent a message to everybody because we got our packs and in the packs were wet wipes. And so I sent a message, having not met any of the team yet, <laughs> yeah. right? We've got a WhatsApp group, not met anybody. I went... Hey guys, um, so I'm making a program about plastic. <laughs> How about we don't take our wet wipes? No response from anyone. Wow. And then I was that person. Like <laughs> I was like, here she comes. And then very quickly you realise that sa- like to be sanitised is going to save your life on Kilimanjaro because there's no water. So yeah, yeah. So That's there's a time the, and the place. rare exception. The rare <laughs> exception, and you take it with you. So yeah, but that How was-, was Kilimanjaro. Amazing. Yeah, incredible. I'm so glad I've done it. Like, a brilliant, brilliant experience. Even though it was really, really tough. And we all got altitude sickness, including me, on day two. Um, yeah, the first one that came down with it. Uh, I was like, me, really? Oh. But then you realise everybody was going to get it at some point. But it, it was amazing. I'm so glad I did it. It must just be very surreal. And you're like, I'm here with Little Mix and Ed Balls. What, what is going on on the side of <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's surreal. And they're my mates now. And yeah, but Little Mix were just awesome. Leanne and Jade are properly cool. Like, they're wicked. Like, real revelation. It's like, they asked me to sing one of their songs. Uh, and I thought... I'm going to make sure I can sing one of their songs before I get there. And then on the mountain, I was like, I've got away with it. And then they're like, come on then, Anita, what's your favourite song by us? Sing it. <laughs> and I just stared at them. It's <laughs> like, um, and then I just went, so uh, what's uh, what's your favourite documentary by me that ever <laughs> nice, made? Nice. Yeah. And uh, we just hugged them made up. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so have you got any other big feats that you want to, you've climbed mountains and any shows that you want to work on or ideas? Mm. Or- yeah, there's always loads. I mean, there's loads. I just think we live in an age now where we can all do lots of different things, you know. So maybe, I don't know. We'll see. See what comes my way. This is going out and then let's see. Let's see what happens. I'll come back and talk to you about it. Okay. Excellent. Well, for now, though, make sure you tune in. 10th of June, 9 o'clock, BBC One. The War on Plastics with Hugh and Anita. Excellent title. Woo-hoo. Tune in. Thanks so much for coming, Anita. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to Series Linked. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you've subscribed and tell your friends where to find us too. So, Sarah, thanks once again for being our super sub this week, filling in for Jeffers. You're doing an excellent job. Thank you. Um, and you're very much, I like to think of you, as the as the Jack Whitehall to our Graham Norton. <laughs> I think, you know, I always like to have a relevant uh, Except Jeffers isn't hosting Eurovision right now. That would be an interesting take on Eurovision. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd be the right person if, if I'm honest. Uh, sorry, Jeffers, if you're listening. Um, on that theme, my big question to you this week is: 
Who do you think has been the greatest TV substitute in telly history? It's such a difficult one. You left it for me. <laughs> I, I've really thought about this. Um, the first thing I thought of was those good old days of the X Factor where, you know, I think Danny Minogue was on maternity leave and Cheryl Cole had um, malaria. And we had a run of great stand-in guest presenters like Jerry Halliwell, Nicole Scherzinger, Katy Perry, Pixie Lott, uh, I think even Natalie Imbruglia. And we don't seem to have that excitement anymore, but that's not my absolute okay. favourite. I from, I would say the moment that Paul Merton had to stand in for Angus Datum once yes. he left Have I Got News For You, which was, I think, in 2002. And that led to a string of guest hosts that we see on that show every week. And it's been... I think, improved ever since. It really has sort of made the show a better piece of entertainment, really, because you never know who it's going to be yeah, and they excitement. can do really fun things with it. And when Brucey did it, that, that was really funny. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'd say my answer to this question would probably be when Claudia Winkleman started standing in for Bruce on the results show. And, I mean, you know, Brucey is a national treasure, etc. But Claudia was just fantastic and she brought something so new and fresh to that kind of show. She was absolutely brilliant and obviously now a host. And we were talking before we came on as well about Holly standing in for, for Anne on I'm a Celebrity. Yeah, she got into it, I thought. I thought it was a bit of a shaky start for me, but I think actually she really had big boots to fill and she did a good job in the end. None of them as good as you though, Sarah. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about some more telly now. I wanted to speak to you, Sarah, about this new documentary, Jonas Brothers Chasing Happiness. We've seen quite a few of these kind of pop documentaries, like The Big Reunion, that, you know, it all started really exciting and then it all leads to tragedy and arguments and whatever. So this is the story of the Jonas Brothers sort of falling out and then coming back together for their big comeback. It's on Amazon Prime. What did you make of this? Well, I I was strangely hooked. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Jonas Brothers. I didn't really, really know that much about them. Um, I was absolutely fascinated. When it started, I thought, oh, this is going to be a bit of navel-gazing, a bit intense, indulgent. But actually, it wasn't. And I was pleasantly surprised. It was Fans are going to absolutely love it. Lots of home videos and clips and interviews. And, you know, I was still watching intently 45 minutes in, which is only, I think, halfway through. And I think it was a great insight into their life. It kind of strung it out a bit, though, didn't it? Because what it was billed as is, oh, this is the story of their comeback. We're going to find out about, you know, their big argument and how they got back together. It's only really like the last 10 minutes of it. You have to really sit and wait for that bit of the documentary. That's not to say it's not interesting, but really it's more the story of their rise to yeah. fame and their family and, you know, everything that happened between them. The, the kind of juicy bit is right at the end. But then it didn't feel, because of that, it didn't feel like a promo. It felt like there was more for fans, not just to be about the upcoming album. But I wonder, because that's what you were saying I agree with, that I'm not a big fan. And so I found it quite interesting. I had no real idea. I knew that they'd been around, but I didn't really know much about their story. I wonder if you are actually a fan, how much new stuff there is in there. I mean, I know there's some childhood footage. And obviously, you know, if you're a proper fan, you just sit and listen to their every word with great excitement. But if you're just a sort of regular level fan, I wonder if you might think kind of seen a lot of this already tell me about the big bus yeah, stuff there were a few new interviews although interestingly i noticed that all the interviews were separate there was nothing with them interviewed together whether that was a practical thing or whether uh, they do lead very separate lives there was a lot about that 
um, with the father saying, my boys are still friends and that's the most important thing. But it was a good insight. It was an insight into the mental health of somebody who is a megastar as well, which yeah. I found interesting. Yeah, and there's, it's the same story over and over again with so many different pop acts, isn't it? Well, that's over on Amazon Prime. But on Netflix, let's talk about Tales of the City because I've heard loads of people getting excited about this before it's, before it's even dropped. It's a remake. It's based on the book, a very popular book. What can you tell us about this, Sarah? Well, this drops on Friday. It's inspired by the books of Armistead Maupin and it's just a limited series and it's got a fantastic cast. It's got Laura Linney who plays Marianne and she is returning to the place where she grew up and she hasn't been there for over 20 years. And when she goes back, she reunites with her family and not all of them are pleased to see her. Ellen Page plays her daughter Paul Gross plays her ex-husband, Brian, and Olympia Dukakis plays the matriarch of the family, Anna. Yeah, it was, it's all about Laura Linney's character, isn't it? Because she comes back and she's got such an intriguing backstory. She kind of seems like a people pleaser at first, but then you realise there's quite dark backstory there and you don't quite quite know what's gone on before. It's, it's great. It's set in this big LGBTQ community. It's very open. It's very diverse. It's the kind of backdrop you don't usually see to most series. And I think that's great. But I, other than Laura Linney's performance, I don't know. I thought it was quite good and I'm interested and I probably will watch another episode. But the amount of hype there's been around it and people say, oh, I love this. I can't wait to see it again. I, I didn't really quite see why yet, but maybe it's to come. I agree. I found it quite slow and I wanted to love it more because it has got such a great cast, but I was a bit bored. And I know that first episodes are a tough call because you've got to set it up and in- be introduced to the characters. By the end, I was slightly more hooked. I probably will give it another go. But as you say, big, big hype and I don't get it. Don't get it at all. I think there's more to come. I will give it a chance, but I'm I'm not sure yet. What did you make of the of Laura Linney's character? I found her quite irritating. Because <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked her, because I felt like she was a fish out of water, kind of like we are, I suppose, watching it. And I thought, oh, yeah, kind of, you know, I want to know more about you and why you've made some quite interesting decisions that you sort of learn about as this episode goes on. But you were just not having it. I preferred Ellen Page's character. She plays Shauna, her daughter. And I love Ellen Page. I think she's brilliant brilliant actress so I preferred her scenes to Laura Linney's but as we say more to come it's it's nice to see Ellen Page actually doing some acting because she's done some incredible activism and that's fantastic but it's nice sometimes that's what people become famous for it's nice to see her actually get a good role that she can get her teeth into I think so I do enjoy the family melodrama and of course this is a bit different because it's about an LGBT community and that's really interesting and fresh However, it set it up for me and I need more to become hooked. I, I do like the fact, though, that there are, they're, they're commissioning all these kind of different dramas now, or, especially on Netflix. Dead to Me, and we've just got Good Girl Series 2, which I absolutely love. And it's really nice when things just aren't a kind of typical crime drama or yeah. a, a kind of really dark, gritty thing. I like things that have a bit of lightness, a bit of sort of a bit of a kind of playful look at things you can have something that deals with serious subject matter that's funny that's a bit lighter and I think that's that's all to the good really I think this is going to be one of those but I just feel like I wanted a bit more this like you say there's so much good stuff stuff on at the moment everything's vying for your time it really needs to grab you straight off and if I hadn't heard all the hype and people that I really respect saying oh this is really great then I probably wouldn't bother with episode two but I think because I feel like there's got to be something a bit more to come So I think I probably will watch the next episode. Yeah, me too. Now it's time once again to add to the list of box sets to watch before you die. 
Each week, one of our favourite faces from the telly tells us a must-see series. Last week, it was our very own Jeffers, just before he swanned off on holiday, who chose the thick of it. This week, it's the turn of the infamous Piers Morgan. Here he is with his choice. Hi, I'm Piers Morgan, and my box set to watch before you die is The Office. Because let's face it, Ricky Gervais is the funniest guy in Britain. Be, uh, be gentle with me today, Dawn. Yeah, why is that? Oh, God, I had a skinful last night. I was out with Finchy, Chris Finch. I had us in a pub crawl. Elvino did flow. Yeah, it's blooded, blooded, blotted. Oh, don't ever come out with me and Finchy. No, I won't. That series was so excruciatingly awkward and hard to watch and yet hilarious. When we had the question, name the Cuban leader who's been in power since the revolution in 1959. Del Castro. Yeah, you know it now, yeah? Well, what yeah. did you say well, then? It's no, 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 tell them. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. What did you say then? What did you say then? Well, who's the Cuban leader? Fred Bentos. Huh? <laughs> no wonder this place is going down the pan. You're a waste of bloody time. Everybody who's ever worked in an office should just watch it and luxuriate in how uncomfortable it makes us all feel because basically we all know that's what it's really like and we all know a David Brent. So Piers saying there basically that um, the office is very similar to offices he's worked in. Does it remind you of the Daily Mirror <laughs> office? <laughs> I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> would, you, would you have this as one of your box sets? Do you, do you love it? I've got to make a confession. I've never watched the office properly. What? I know. What? It's one of the most perfect pieces of television ever I've made. I've seen episodes of it and I appreciate its brilliance. And I love Ricky Gervais. I loved Afterlife that I've just binge watched. So I will take Piers' advice. I don't know how often somebody <laughs> would say that. And I'll go home and watch it from start to finish. I feel like it's something I always should have done. Oh, it's kind of when at the time it felt so fresh it doesn't so much now because lots of things have have sort of copied it and done sort of similar things with their comedy but it felt so different you weren't really sure whether it was a documentary or whether it was a comedy what was going on no one knew who martin freeman was no one knew who Mackenzie crook was and it just was brilliant and stephen merchant's warmth comes through from it as well i absolutely love it and as with all the best comedies they kept it small it's two series and a christmas special so if you do want to binge on it then it won't take very long it's on Netflix as well, so it's super easy to watch. And sometimes I forget, I absolutely loved The Office. And I forget, really, to go back and re-watch it, to be honest, because just everything moves on. There's so much great new telly. But I actually think that's quite a good idea. I'll go home and watch it right now. Do, do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Piers. You can see Piers Morgan's real-life stories at the moment on ITV Saturday evenings. It's the Michael Barrymore one this weekend, which is a very interesting interview. And, of course, it's all up on the ITV Hub as well. There'll be another box set to watch before you die next week. So we're nearly out of time for this week's episode. But as ever, we've got one more thing to do first. We need to scan across our EPGs, have a little guess at what we'll be talking about, not just next week, but also next month and next year. Jeffers fans, this is a very sad moment for you. Take a deep <laughs> breath. It's going to be OK. Sarah is here to help. Sarah, what should we be keeping an eye on next week? Well, it's very exciting because Rob Lowe is on ITV next <gasps> week in Wild Bill. Calm down, everybody. <laughs> very exciting. He is going to play a US police chief who has come over to the UK. However, I'm more excited about Big Little Lies, which returns for yeah. season two on Sky Atlantic on Monday the 10th of June. This, as you know, has got a fantastic cast. It's got Nicole Kidman, Shailene Woodley, Reese Witherspoon, Laura Dern, 
And Meryl Streep turns up for this series. Yes. So very excited about that. And we can watch it at 2am, just like just like the Game of Thrones fans did Absolutely. With that. What about next month? Next month, Poldark fans are going to be pleased. Season 5 is on our screens. Obviously, we all sobbed when Elizabeth died at the end of the last series. So... Now it's back if you love your Cornish drama and scythes and bare chests sometimes, (laughs) then this is one for you. Ticks all those boxes. And what about next year? Well, next year, I know it's not officially next year, but coming up at Christmas is Gavin and Stacey. Can you believe it? It's coming back for a one-off. This was all very hush-hush, but Ruth Jones and James Corden have written another episode, so we can't wait for that. I'm excited, but because Matthew Horne and James Corden fell out, that was very public. It was not a secret. Yeah. So they must have come to terms with that in some way. I, don't, I, I really didn't think there was going to be another. Yeah, it's been 10 years, but apparently uh, they say they've been talking about it a lot. They want to know where Gavin and Stacey are now and what they're up to. And this is what's happening. I, I thought wait. they're just eating chips and talking about... Maybe that's <laughs> what, what will happen. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, lots for us to keep an eye on there. And that's all we've got time for this week. This has been the Series Linked podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please do go on, give us a five-star rating just for Sarah. She's come in specially. And a review if you would as well. We would love it. And make sure you've subscribed as well so the next episode is ready and waiting for you when it drops next Tuesday. For now, though, thanks so much, Sarah, for joining us. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to. Because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from. Some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.